Welcome in to the DNVR Avalanche Podcast, presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, the number one rated sportsbook app out there. I am your host, Rudo, joined as always by AJ Hayfley. And less than 24 hours after we break down everything about Devin T- Devon, excuse me, Tay's possible arbitration, he is now signed with the Colorado Avalanche, signing a four-year deal with a $4.1 million AAV average on it and that's it the Avs are now pretty much set in their offseason they have 1.8 million dollars roughly of cap space left to use to round out their roster with healthy scratches and or potential ELCs in their lineup but yep they've got a 12-6-2 lineup that means they uh they've got enough space at one one point eight two three six one four that's how much they've got left so that uh that's that's bowen byram's 894 and that's logan o'connor's 725 yeah that's so that's about 1.6 so that gives them about 200k Mm -hmm. of flexibility with both of them on the lineup yep done easy enough now if you really wanted to save a million dollars uh you just throw Jacob McDonald 725 on there and call it good. Yep. And then you have about a million to, to play with. Mm-hmm. That's either that, way they're done. Yeah. It, nothing more to do barring, you know, having to move something out, which I, at this point, I don't think anyone's expecting. No. So it wouldn't make sense. I saw the uh, buyout Ian Cole stuff and I was like, this doesn't make sense. You would just use the money that you saved on buying out Ian Cole to turn around and try and sign Ian Cole. Right. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't I don't think a buyout really makes any sense at all for the Fs. No. You'd be trading someone if you were going to go down that road. But yeah. we've seen the market is not great for dumping cap at the moment. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, what are they? Um, Tampa Bay tried to give Tyler Johnson away to the entire yeah. league for literally nothing. They put him on waivers. Yeah. And they could not move him. Yeah. So good luck. <laughs> yeah, they, they, they could. Uh, I put LOC on there. You could put Cal's contract on there, but you can't put both. That's the takeaway here is that they can't fill out a 23 man roster which is completely fine because they don't have to 22 of them is perfectly acceptable. You can get to 22 just fine. It's not a problem. And as the, the way that the daily, the way that the daily cap calculations are done, once you're a month into the season, you stop worrying about it. Yep. Contracts get significantly cheaper as the season goes on. Yeah. That's so. why it's why at the end of the end of the season you go on cap friendly and it's really funny because it's like this team has forty two million dollars in cap space. <laughs> right. And it would be like physically impossible for them to spend all of it. They could sign every player on their reserve list and call them up and put them on the roster and it wouldn't matter. Uh Makar's bonus money will fall into the five percent range. Yeah. Uh, of within the less than 5% above the cap. Yep. 
as long as it's, as long as it's bonus money is the only bonus money, um, it falls within that seven and a half percent buffer. So, so they'll be fine. They'll be able to apply it to this year's cap if they would like to. He also still has to earn it. He, he probably will. <laughs> uh, he's basically guaranteed to earn uh, his schedule A bonuses. Yeah, that'd be which hard are worth to. which are worth like. 860k something like that and the the schedule b bonuses they're the ones that really get those are the ones that get expensive and he'd have to have a he'd have to have the kind of like norris ish level ish year that we're talking about Uh, yeah that looks like 700k of his schedule b bonuses is winning the con smythe so if he yeah. wins that one, I don't think anyone's going to be complaining about the extra money. Yeah. How about that? Um, so that let's talk about the guy who actually signed today, though, in, in Devontae's at four point one million. That makes him the fourth most expensive defenseman. Only Ian Cole, Sam Gerrard, Eric Johnson, all making more than him on the Avs. So. Suddenly an expensive defense. Yeah, twenty-three and a half million about getting getting paid to this defense. Yep. And then McCarr going to get paid next year is going to increase that number pretty significantly. Yep. You'll swap out uh Cole's salary and add McCarr's, and then you'll understand why Byram's ELC is super duper important. Yep. Cause McCarr's gonna make a lot of money. So so Tays at 4.1 for, for four years is, I don't want to pat ourselves on the back too much, but AJ, that's almost exactly where you had it. <laughs> I My original guess was four years at 4.5. So, and then as we were talking about it yesterday, and I said it had come back down a little bit, it had come down when I looked at comparables, I had it at 4.2. So that they got to 4.1, great. That's good work. It's a good piece of business. We talked about why four years was a was a really good uh, term for both sides. Why five plus was probably a little heavy handed from the Avalanche side, and for this is this is where you can take advantage of a guy that's had the kind of path that Taves has had, because coming off of his ELC, coming off of his second contract, his bridge deal, like this is a guy that that two years ago was just trying to make the NHL. And now he has a $16 million contract. Like whatever his take home of that is, he's set for the rest of his life. He's yeah. good. And that doesn't, you know, that doesn't count any contract he signs for the rest of his career. Right. You know, that, cause that dude, that dude could easily end up making a solid 30 million in his career. Yeah. I- pretty easily he'll be 30 at the end yeah. of the deal so it's definitely possible that's what i'm saying he could he could easily he could easily get up to, into that into that range so for him this is this is a this is a great deal um and you know it does change the expansion draft math which was a conversation this morning as i was still waking up and i was being kind of short with people on twitter just giving them <laughs> five words because I was just waking up and talking to my fiance about a house that we're trying to buy <laughs> instead of worrying about the expansion draft. <laughs> Not everything is about Seattle's expansion draft guys. 
Except for Martin Couch eligibility. I'm really curious what like funny joke people are going to have when the expansion draft happens. <laughs> what's left after the, what's next? Yeah. <laughs> what's the next horse to beat, yeah. I guess? Like, I don't <laughs> respond to those tweets anyway. Like, People have fun with it, and I'm like, ah, okay. <laughs> yeah, I also am very busy uh, working my second second job <laughs> selling selling land in Texas, as you guys saw on Twitter today. <laughs> I literally, if I didn't delete the messages, I, I would show you how many of these things I get. Wait, where it's many. just, I get these text messages. They're always in Spanish, <laughs> and they feature. Uh, pictures of the land, and it's just like, okay. I'll give you. I'll give you. Tw- the, the guy today offered me twenty four thousand dollars in cash. After I ran the text through a Google Translate, is that a good price? I have no idea. <laughs> I don't know how much land it is. I get a. I get a picture of like a shed <laughs> with a busted ass fence around it, and I'm like, I cool. Another one of these, huh? The first one I got, like, I responded to the guy. I even responded to him in Spanish and, like, tried to talk to him. And, like, he never he never got back to me. He never responded to me. And I was like, all what? right, whatever. <laughs> like, okay. And then this guy called me last weekend and left a super detailed voicemail about he and his partner were looking to buy up a bunch of land in the area. And they saw... I had a plot for sale and they thought it was a great price and like, please get back to me. And then his partner called me the next day when I ignored it. And I was like, Oh God. I was like, guys, I'm a broke ass sports writer living in Denver. You have got the wrong dude. (laughs) How do you have, who put like your phone number on their sign and is like going out of business because yeah, (laughs) right. They're getting no calls. (laughs) (laughs) well i'm gonna i'm gonna yeah if i could contact the person who's actually trying to sell it i can't get a hold of them because their contact number is my phone number (laughs) but it'd be like hey i'll take this off your hands i guess i'm getting tons of offers on it sure just send me the twenty four thousand in cash yeah, I'm like, yeah, Venmo me that shit, I guess. <laughs> and then it's yours. Yeah. Set up like a fake Venmo. <laughs> well, you know, if that doesn't work out for you, you can always ask uh, Devontae to buy you a dinner because he's got enough money now yeah. to, to buy everyone a dinner. Was there a signing bonus, actually? Let me see. Let me see what the official numbers are. No signing bonuses at say- all. Knowing the ads, no, but they did have uh, a salary structure um, as such that pays him like nothing this year. It's it's like the opposite of a buyout structure. (laughs) Yeah. Where his base, well, I guess that's not necessarily true, but his base salary in year one is 2.35, and then his base salary in year four is 5.9. Yeah. He's going to make just shy of $6 million in the fourth year of the deal. Yep. And that, you know, you're they're they're hoping that by year four, um, it's not, it's not like a, it doesn't, I don't think it has anything to do with the buyout. I think it has everything to do with the fact that 
players are losing a bunch of money to uh no i'm not drinking hawaiian punch um it's uh players are losing a bunch of money right off the top to escrow this year yep um even more than normal and then you know with the with the with what's likely to be a truncated season you know 50 games they're gonna make a prorated salary anyway this fly will not leave me alone man (sighs) (sighs) and you know because of because of that um they've got uh they they that's why they salary structure uh the way that they did so that Taves has a better chance of actually making the majority of that money yeah through the through the life of that contract cuz had they structured it 5.9 this year they're just taking a huge chunk out of it right he's making well he's taking home significantly less um, we do need to take our first period break there, so it is time to acknowledge Breckenridge Brewery, the official beer of DNVR, way better than Hawaiian Punch or whatever it is AJ is drinking. What's he got over there? Welch's Strawberry, strawberry kiwi, kiwi Juice Cocktail. All right, well, if you want, you can mix that with uh, one of uh, an amazing Breck Brew flavors. I don't know. I'm not a beer mixer. You have to ask RK on that one. But uh, I'm cleaning out my fridge because I'm getting ready to go to Canada for two months. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> uh, so yeah, go on down to the DNVR bar. Eight different beers on a tap down there, or you can always go to the farmhouse in Littleton. Get it right from the source. Dozens of flavors of beer. They have a beer for everyone. Highly recommend them. Even if you're out of state, you can go to your local liquor store, and I'm pretty much sure they'll have something from Breck Brew for you to try. We also, of course, have a Green Mountain Dental Group, the best family dentist in the Denver metro area, located in Lakewood, just 15 minutes from downtown. Super easy to get to, and when you schedule a cleaning x-ray and exam, you'll get a free Sonicare electric toothbrush just for taking care of your teeth. Be sure to tweet at us when you roll on down there, because we're just one big happy family trying to take care of each other. Even in a pandemic, taking care of your teeth is something important to do. Make sure it's good for your heart health, it's good for your overall health, make sure you're on top of it and head on down to Green Mountain Dental Group and take care of your teeth. Second period of the DNVR Avalanche podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook versus the fly in AJ's room. Uh, Devontae's, we've talked about him quite a bit, obviously, over the past couple of weeks, but now that he's signed... How how do you start to assess his value? Obviously, it's still going to be difficult. He's never played a game for the Avs. But you know you have a top four defenseman at $4.1 million. Kind of depends on EJ's health, right? I mean, that's definitely a factor. Because <laughs> if EJ is healthy for the start of the season, I would probably roll out Taves and Johnson, sure. As like a and then Graves and McCarr, and then EJ Byram, or rather uh, Gerard Byram, or something yeah. like that. That's what I would do. I mean, I don't really have a problem with any of those pairs, to be honest with you. So, I mean, there's going to be somebody that's sort of odd man out. Sure. Right. Yeah. Um, if EJ is healthy, if EJ is not healthy, then you're talking Byram, Byram and Cole is your easy third pairing. And yes. it's 
you know, Taves is either next to I so I personally would start Taves next to Makar, and I I think I just think that um there's safety in going running it back with Graves and Makar. They did it so much last year that they're they would be comfortable with it, and so it's like okay, yeah. I, I, mean, I don't I don't think it'll last very long. I don't think it's something that is going to stick. But because it worked last year, you, it makes sense to start with it this year and then figure out kind of how the rest of the guys fit. It's just what NHL coaches do. They go to Yeah, ex- know, exactly. I agree with you. I I would much rather <laughs> see Taze and McCarr together. Um, I have nothing against Graves. It's just that you got you went out and you got a guy who fits stylistically very nicely. Yep. The thing the thing about a Taves and McCarr pairing is that neither guy has played the Graves role on their pairings. Because Taves played next to Scott Mayfield last year. Mayfield did the Graves thing. Yep. Where he was the bigger, more classic defensive defenseman who did the heavy lifting, if you will. Uh, and that allowed, you know, and, and Taves jumped into the play and aggressively got out of the defensive zone. Um, if both guys play that style, what does it look like? Yeah, you know, I, like how does it how does it work? Is you just have to figure out how it works. And I I do think we're gonna find out as certainly long term, Taze is gonna be asked to do a little bit more of being the defensive guy, and then well, how he goes about <laughs> that is is how he's gonna do it. But the Abs are gonna lean on him defensively a little bit more. I think how how it works is going to be in, in very instructive because Bowen Byron plays that kind of style. Where, you know, Sam Gerrard plays that kind of style where they want to skate pucks out. They want to get up the ice quickly. They're not, they don't mess around with rimming pucks around the boards and up and out and chipping it off the glass unless they absolutely have to. Otherwise, those guys, those guys get out and they skate, man. So how it's, how it's going to work, like you don't, you don't avoid putting those guys together because you're afraid of that question. You have to answer that question because you've, you've tripled down on that style of player, even Justin Barron is that style of player that wants to skate pucks out. So even, you know, projecting four years down the road, this is how you want to play. This is how you want to play. And so it's, you know, what, what it looks like when both guys have that aggressive attack mentality, figuring it out is going to be a huge, basically what the regular season is for. How dangerous can they be when they're all like that? When all five guys on the ice are attacking. That's that's going to be super interesting. There's a world where it just works. Yeah. And the abs are this crazy, insane possession monster of a hockey yeah. team. And then there's a, the other side of it where it doesn't work. And right. the abs struggle because they have two defensemen trying to play the same role on the ice and they, they can't figure it out. Right, where they it doesn't mesh, and one guy is always trying to fly the zone, and the other guy isn't good enough on, defensively to kind of hold down the fort, if you will. Yeah, uh, and you know, it just doesn't work. Like, there's a world where this just doesn't work. This is this is why I've I've said the Abs are kind of a grand experiment in the way that they want to play, because nobody in the league plays a transition game the way Colorado does. Nobody plays such a possession, 
a controlled possession focused style of game the way that the Avs do. The vast majority of the league is still playing dump and chase to some degree. Colorado avoids it to an extreme degree about to the versus the rest of the league. Mm-hmm. And so watching watching them go out and get a guy like Taves who's already good at what they were already good at, you know, you replace Nikita Zadorov who wasn't good at that with Taves who is good at that. How does that trade-off make you better or worse offensively and defensively? And that's, you know, and and how he works with Makar, that's just the beginning of it. You know, how he works with Johnson or Gerard, whatever. That's just the start of that conversation. Yeah. Uh, They're going to have to spend the whole year trying to figure out optimal pairings, which guys work in, in which settings, because it's not as clear cut as it was when you had Zdorov, Cole, and Graves, and, and Johnson as four of your six defenders. You had very clear cut, obvious. This is what this pairing is trying to accomplish. This is what this guy is trying to do in this zone. Now these guys are all hybrids, and it's a very different conversation. Right. I, I think it gets super interesting when you start talking about special teams. We've already talked about Taze potentially being the third defenseman on this, or the second defenseman on the second power play with alongside Gerard. Yeah. But then you get into the PK conversation as well. Look. Obviously, EJ is going to PK. If Mm -hmm. Ian Cole is in the lineup, he's going to PK. Mm -hmm. Ryan Graves is going to PK. Mm -hmm. But that fourth PK spot, or in some cases, if Ian Cole or Graves is one of them, is the guy that's sitting, then you need to fill two PK spots with this lineup. You assume Taze fills one of them, or they at least try him on the PK? I do. Um, and then, but even then, you still have to have to give a Sam Gerrard or a Bowen Byram that fourth spot at times. I don't know why. I don't. Is is Kale McCarr your all situations monster or not? I'd start giving him the look. You could do it with McCarr too. To be honest, I really would. I would start giving him the look and say, "Let's just see how this goes." He wouldn't be a guy that I would lean on really heavily early on, but kind of like what they did with Tyson Jost last year slowly give him some opportunities and see how he does. We saw Jost looked really good on the PK. Okay, great. Give him more time. If McCarr looks great on the PK, great. Give him more time. If it's a total disaster, then change it up. But for me, I I would just say, look, like, Kale McCarr is going to be your ride or die on defense for a long time. He's, a, he's your core defensive piece next to Sam Gerrard and you hope Bowen Byram. And when you get into the special teams thing, it's like, what what good does it do a guy to be really big and physical in front of the net if he's not denying, if he's not taking away a stick, if he's all he's doing is using that size to screen his own goaltender? So I'd rather have a guy with what, stick skills, puck skills. So what if you flip the script then? What if you don't even run PK pairings? You just roll your three defensive pairs as on the on the penalty kill for the Avs. Fine, I don't have any objection to that. I like I like Gerard's defensive game enough where I'm like, look, I I think physicality on the PK is is overrated. I don't think it's overrated at even strength when you're when you're constantly cycling and board battling. But I would rather have guys with that that can make plays with the puck that are really good with their stick. Because on the PK, that's more important. 
you're not getting into very many board battles. You're not getting into your your biggest like scrum is going to be in front of the net where it's all chaos and funny bounces anyway. Take yep. your chances with the guy that's got higher skill with the puck and isn't just blindly swiping at things and hoping for the best. I would much rather have somebody that's skilled with their stick and with the puck in 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 space, which is all PK and power plays are. It's just the abuse of space. So yeah. I would t- I, I have no issues with that. I've long thought that the PK thing was Whack. I just I just well I just I just think it's one of those old school things that hockey never got away from and they never tried something different. And uh, for me it's you're all, you're already down this path of going with transition players, great skaters and puck skill on the back end. Go all in with it. Try it out on your PK and see how it works. It is an interesting conversation as, as the penalty kill is one of the critical failures in the playoffs for the Avs. Now, granted, just because they couldn't get a goaltender to make a save, but they kind of go hand in hand. You're the, I mean, one of one of the old adages in hockey happens to be correct, of course, yeah. is that your goaltender has to be your best penalty killer. Yep. Definitely you know? true, but uh, it it's a lot easier for your goaltender to be your best penalty killer when you're the players in front of him are giving him a lot of one and done opportunities. Yeah. So it, it can go both ways to say the least on, on that front. And I, I know this is a word I've used a lot about the Avs lineup, but versatility is what yeah. all of their moves have created for them. Definitely. It's kind of been what a lot of their moves have been about for the last couple of years now. Yep. Where they've just been going out and getting guys that, that fit into different situations. However you want, where you could, you could fit Burkowski in three different combinations and you're still going to get something good out of him. Same thing with a guy like Brandon Saad. We've talked about if you want to go with an ultra defensive heavy lifting line, you can. Yeah. If you want to just put him in a position to go to the front of the net and, you know, play pigeon and, and bang pucks home, you can. You can do whatever you want with a lot of these guys because they have a lot of different skill sets. It's, there aren't a lot of guys on Colorado who are they're good at one thing. And that's the one thing they do. And you move on. There's just not a lot of those guys. And the ones who are, are limited guys. Like they're your, they're your role players, your hard role players, your Logan O'Connor, your Tyson Jost, your PR Edward Belmar, even your Matt Calvert. Those are, those are the guys that fit into a very specific niche into your lineup. And you're fine with that. Your fly is getting some camera time right now. dude. It's, I see him flying around and I'm just like, if you like, Oh yeah! If you smack yeah. your forehead, you might have got him. But he saw he saw the attention that Mike Pence's fly got. Yeah, right. he, he's he like, was like, "How can I get in on that? <laughs> Need some of that acting action?" Yeah, <laughs> I don't well, have the super white hair for him to land on. That's though. true. Yeah, it doesn't doesn't pop quite as much yeah. on a black hat. <laughs> yeah, the black fly on the black hat doesn't look good as the black fly on the white hair with the HD camera set up. <laughs> Minor differences in the in the video quality between the yeah. the debate and, and us, but that'll be my Halloween getup for this weekend or for this Friday. Is I'll wear I'll wear Mike Pence hair. That's so the fly can land on it. I I need Chat's opinion on that. Actually, should I do the mullet for for Halloween? 
because I can do an okay mullet. Should you do the Barry Melrose? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, we do need to take our second period break here uh, as we do have to acknowledge Chevalier Mortgage with Mike and Virginia Chevalier. Not only are they longtime Denver Broncos fans, but they are CSU alums as well. And they've been longtime members of us here at DNVR. So be sure to hit them up. You can call Virginia directly at 303-257-6578 or visit them at dnvrmortgage.com. When you go over to their website, you can get a choice of a free DNVR shirt, DNVR shirt, excuse me, or hat of your choice when you win their raffle contest. So at very least head over there to try and win yourself some free merch. That's the good stuff. But when you're there, you can also get set up with a free consultation to discuss all of your options when it comes to mortgages, buying a home, and just your whole financial picture. Since your home is likely to be your largest asset and your mortgage your largest debt, they believe it's vital to consider your full financial picture when purchasing a home. This includes considering your short-term and long-term planning goals, your investments, and your tax situation. Mike and Virginia will work tirelessly to find the best loan for your situation. So again, visit them at dnvrmortgage.com. Michael Chevalier NMLS 1931006, Virginia Chevalier NMLS 1910631. Third period of the DNVR Avalanche podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. Uh, Cygnus asks, what is the Avs' weaknesses now? Still high-end defense, I think. There still isn't that one... Makar isn't quite there yet. Yeah, well, I mean, as of today, you know, six months from now, this may not be true anymore, but as of today, there is not that top pairing that you just say, hey, we're going to throw out there in every major situation to go do a thing. And it just isn't there yet. There's, you're, you're correct. Uh, even if you fully believe that Kale McCarr is a, a future true number one. Definitely. You still got to do it. You still need a number two. And I believe that's <clears throat> Bowen Byram, but it's not going to mm-hmm. be Bowen Byram day one. Right. I mean, we're talking that's Bowen Byram in two or three years. Right. So that is a, that is a fair assessment. Um, with that being said, having a five top four defensemen, is a is right. pretty solid. It's a good like it's it's like it was last year. One through six, it's a good group. Yep. One through seven, it's a good group. But you just need that. You know the this is what Petrangelo is going to bring to Vegas. Yeah, is that he is that all situations guy where you start a unit and you're like, all right, he's our guy. Literally. Every time his shift is up, he goes out there regardless of situation. Yeah. Like, all right, different different game situation. Cool. Petrangelo time. You know, it's the value of having that horse at the top of your defense. We're hoping that McCard takes the next step into that guy this year. That's, I mean, we're hoping, they're hoping. We're kind of expecting it. Yep. We see that future for him, but... Until until we see it, you know, until it actually happens, it's a weakness. Right? Until you develop that into a strength, it's not there yet. And so I think 
I think that's probably a weakness for right now. I mean, and I mean, if I if really I say mitts there, yeah. if I say if I say goaltending, I mean like the third goaltender. Yep. And I don't think that there's a single organization in the entire NHL where I would say third goaltender is a strength. Yeah. Uh, right. Uh, the best th- third goaltender in the league is might be like Askarov or something. <laughs> it's like it's a situation in Dallas where they have Jake Ottinger. Yep. Where they have a top prospect, like a top prospect. It'll be where Colorado is in a year with Eustace Ananen. You know, like that's 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 it. Like, obviously, until the PK shows improvement, until the power play shows improvement, special teams are going to be a weakness, and that's a pretty good weakness when both of them are league average. Yep. You know, obviously, the PK fell apart in the postseason, and the the power play struggled. Uh, the power play went from scoring every single game for like nine games to struggling but that's, I mean, that's this, part of that is just how it goes in the in the playoffs this is the reality of of the abs that we're talking about now this is why sports books are picking them as the favorite to win the cup is because their weaknesses are league average they're not right. really weaknesses <laughs> right their weaknesses relative to the rest of the strengths on the roster but they're not really like major weaknesses like People get people go crazy over the power play. I had a guy tweet at me and was like, "Wow, nah, imagine with this group only scoring two out of ten every opportunities," and it's like that's twenty percent. Yeah, like you'd like to see more, but that's gonna do you just want it for you. Yeah, you want it to be twenty five percent, but twenty percent is exactly like you'll you'll live at twenty percent. Yep. Like you're productive at twenty percent. It's the seven percent that you have to avoid. Yep. You know, it's and and uh, the thing, the thing, the big thing with that we don't ever really talk about with with special teams is we're talking about really small sample sizes, and you're susceptible to streaks of, of extremes where you could score three power plays in one game and then you go a week and a half without a power play goal. That well, doesn't necessarily mean that the power play isn't even playing well. Right. Sometimes just, that's just how it goes. Don't go in for you sometimes, but it's as Evan said earlier as well. Uh, he said, without Z, you don't need a PK anyway. <laughs> you take Z and Cole out of the lineup at yeah. the same time. And there goes half your penalty problem. Well, the Avs were had the best penalty differential in the league as far as minors were concerned. Mm-hmm. With Z being like minus 18 or something ridiculous. Yeah. So they're going to benefit a lot from just being on special teams more than opponents. Yeah. And it's well, a hard when- team to beat. <laughs> When you're when you play the way that the Evs do, you draw a lot of penalties naturally because when you're skating and everybody on your team is skating, the other guys are reaching. You know, yep. they're they're sticking fractions, they're tripping guys, et cetera, et cetera. Those types of things, right? Yep. So it just it's it it just naturally draws calls that are easy to make when guys are you know throwing sticks into into guys' feet. Because they got beat by half a step, and now they're trying to play catch up, and 
the abs are full of great skaters who separate in the blink of an eye. You know, it's stuff like that. Yeah, they they're nasty. <laughs> At five on five, yeah. this team is disgusting. Like <laughs> I there there's a really good chance that they are going that like they have built this team to be one of the better five on five teams that the league has seen over the last decade. Yep. Straight whether up. or not whether or not that bears fruit, we'll see. Especially in a truncated season. You really don't know what you're in for. You can, yeah. you are there. They are going to be more like we're really excited for next season. But is, seriously, if it ends up being like 50 games, sprint to the finish type stuff, you are you are very susceptible to wild percentage swings. Yep. Because if somebody has a hot month, you remember They're like in the playoffs. Yep. Yeah. Do Do you remember uh, Patrick Laine two years ago? Yep. Had a 30 goal season and 17 of them in one month. Yeah. Came in November. Yep. And it's like you could have that kind of month. You could have the exact opposite, too. You look at Andre Burakovsky's season last year. He was a point per game player in every month except one in December, where he had like three points in 12 games. Mm-hmm. If you only have two and a half months of a season and one of those months is that month. You're looking real bad, yeah. Yeah, like you had a really disappointing down year. So it's gonna be it's gonna be really like they're gonna be teams that probably make the playoffs. Like there's gonna be an LA or an Ottawa or a New Jersey or a Detroit that sneaks into the postseason. And there's gonna, you know, a San Jose. There's gonna be a team. There's gonna be a team that you think right now that you're thinking, you know, like a St. Louis. It could absolutely be Colorado where they just randomly miss the postseason in a short season and then come back the next year and whoop that ass. Yep. You just don't know. Like it's something we haven't talked a lot about uh, this off season, but teams are going to be more susceptible to the extremes of sample sizes and, and random percentage swings. Even if their process is good and sound, there won't be the same amount of time for the results to even themselves out uh, over 82 when you cut 30 of those games off. Yep. It's going to be wild, man. It's it's fun, but it's also just like... Uh, yeah, a little tense. Yeah, because you just don't know. You just don't know. We could go back and we can look at the lockout short in the season. I mean... It, you don't have to look any further back than last year. If in a shortened season, Grubauer and Francois go down, they're done. It, if they miss a month in a normal year, you can recover. If they miss a month in a 40-game season, they're done. There's no way that their third goalie can push them through. Yeah. Well, look at, uh, talking about extremes here, look at Dallas last season. If they had a truncated regular season, yeah. Remember they they started like zero and seven or something yeah. on the year. Like they, well, Dallas is they started awful and they were ending awful. Right, <laughs> it, it was the middle bit that got them into the playoff position. Well, and they responded to the awful start by having their biggest win streak of the year, where they they won like ten games or something. Yep, and they pulled themselves right out of the immediate hole that they dug, but then they were at five hundred. And whichever like section of the season you cut out for them drastically yeah. changes who who they are. So. Exactly. Like 
it's going to be interesting. Um, and then, you know, to tie this back into where we started today, a guy like Devon Taves, you know, you're hoping that the talent level buoys some of those extremes that there's so much, there's going to be so much talent on the team that there are going to be some guys that have down years that, that we aren't expecting right now. If the talent level is high enough on the rest of the team, you can, you can survive that. This is the rising tide raises all boats situation. So let me ask you this. Devontae's Colin Miller, Josh Manson. Who would you have rank them today? Today. Probably Taves Manson Miller. Today. I like that answer. At the time those contracts were signed, probably Manson Taves Miller. And then Manson. Yeah, you gotta remember like Cliff, but yeah. John Josh Manson, when he signed that deal. P.S. Josh Manson, uh his agent, Devon Taves' agent. Um, which is not surprising when really it really like four point one million dollar contracts. Yeah. yeah. Um Josh Manson at the time he signed that contract would be a perfect fit on this abs team. He, he signed that contract and then doesn't have as many points as in the year he signed the deal since then, but that's how it goes. Those things happen. Um yeah, I look once again for the fourth or fifth show this offseason, I get to sit here and say the Avs made themselves better. Without a doubt. Um Devon Devon Taves is an upgrade over Nikita Zadorov. How he fits is still to be determined. But just a, a player, if you were starting a team tomorrow, Taves would be significantly higher in terms of your value uh, than Zadorov would be. Yep. And that's the only NHL move. That's the only NHL like roster replacement. Unless yep. you're counting Brandon Saad replacing Nemesnikov and Nieto. Which... It's, so it's, it's like really line up, yeah. It's like sod with Namasnikov and Jost with Nieto. Yep. So, I right and now then Taves was the door off. You got better. Yeah, you know injuries. Injuries are definitely going to be a question mark. Can they stay healthy? The only that, way you know that is to go out and play, though. Like that's a question mark for every team, though, right? Like, yeah, and the Avs the Avs may not suffer any injury luck this year. Yep. You know, they, they might get through and the only injury that they have is Belmont. Matt, or you know, Matt Calvert yeah. has appendicitis come the postseason because he's not allowed to play playoff games for the ads. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like whatever. Like you never you, you never really know. You're always just well, we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. Yeah, like that's, if that's if, the tagline for all of next season. I think. If if injury if injury luck is like your biggest like weakness is the biggest question mark coming into the season. Can you get lucky with injuries? You're a pretty good team. Yep. That's I I don't know I don't know what else to say. The hype train for the abs is real. <laughs> so yeah. It's not, it's not like, I know a lot of people are like, oh, you guys are homers and you guys are just fanboys and blah, blah, blah. But it's like, look, Vegas has them at number one. Yep. It wasn't like we made that call. 
the They're people one. who are the best in the business at this have them ranked number one. They were two points out of first place in the West last year, and objectively, the team is better. Right, and well, and and especially when you look at relative to the teams around them, Dallas hasn't made any significant moves to get better. An old team got one year older and a touch more expensive. You know, Vegas, we've talked how Vegas and St. Louis made big moves, but they came at big costs. Yep. You know, Petrangelo. Petrangelo, sure, on St. Louis's side. Yeah, yeah. You lose Petrangelo, you get Krug. And then on the other side, you get Petrangelo, but you lose Schmidt. Yep. Like, those are, those are, you, you end up like, St. Louis gets a little bit worse and Vegas gets a little bit better. Yep. But neither one of them are, Neither one of them are clear cut. Your team took a big step forward this offseason without a doubt. Right. It's just it's not there. You know, the abs Brandon saw Devon Taves and Kale McCarr gets one year older. You know, like the scariest part about that is that Colorado's really young and talented core is gonna get one year older. Now now they're gonna have to mess with Bowen Byram next. Yeah. Like ugh. And then the year after that, you got to mess with Alex Newhook. Good luck. They just keep coming. That's uh, this is what we were talking about at the start of last season when we said the Avs are entering a new golden era. Yep. So, yeah, the expectations are there again. Starting with last season, the expectations are back for the Avs. Colin has a great point that St. Louis moving on from Jake Allen could also be a really big deal. Yeah. I always overlook that, but Jake Allen was huge for them last year because Bennington was Bennington, very, very blah like, in the second half. Yeah. Right. Like he was just okay. And then he was bad in the postseason. Yep. Jake Allen had like a 930 save percentage as his backup last year. Like he was very, very good last season. They need they they're kind of looking for their backup to do the same thing that Francois did to come in and play really really well and push the starter. And the difference being that Jake Allen was always like a decent NHL goaltender. Yep. Was never the high level starter that they hoped he would become, but he was he won a lot of games for them and he was okay for a long time. Now they're banking on Ville Husso who was a top prospect several years ago and completely fell apart. Yep. Turns out keeping your first round picks, man. Yeah. Well, and you know, Brad's (laughs) making the, the, the observation, you know, after new hook is Annan. after that is, is Baron. After that is whoever they take in the first round next year or, you know, any of these other guys sample Ranta or Mutala want to want to step up. Like, yeah, could be any of these guys, right? Like, there's there's just a lot of talent right now. There's a lot of talent at all levels of the organization. I don't know how we end up talking about that every day. It's just it's just reality. Because like, I don't like hockey. Damn it. <laughs> I don't I don't know how we get into the ins and outs of the abs every day without ultimately coming back to one one you know to absolute top to bottom first player to whatever the last numbered player would be. This is one of the most talented organizations in the league. They have a Just guy who, who should have won the Hart Trophy at least once in his career, <laughs> all the way down to uh, the future of their organization. 
in juniors still or over in Russia or wherever they're playing. It's going to be fun. It's going to be a good ride. I don't know what's going to happen next year, but over the next couple of years, I do believe we are about to see some of the best hockey Colorado has ever seen. Yeah, I mean, I think it's going to be reminiscent of the 95 to 2002 run that they had, where they were just a powerhouse in the league. Yep. So You hope that they win two cups in that time. Like, you're hoping they experience the same kind of success, because nothing is guaranteed, but they've set themselves up to be nasty. I think that's right there is just a good place to leave it. Uh, They're looking good. And it's going to be a fun ride. So Devon Taves signing a really, really solid, fair contract for both sides involved. Just another step to that. Yeah. I think both sides are very happy with that deal. Great. On to uh, the next focus for the team. And you know what? Your next focus might be at DraftKings Sportsbook to to put a bet down on this hockey team before their their odds get even worse. Yeah. There was a cameo from Dr. Rudo back there. It's true. Um, do we want to talk about the expansion draft at all real quick? Because we haven't really touched on that sure, point of this. Sure. I, just to reiterate, they're going to protect Taze. Yeah. So with this right now, the math changes. Um, you know, it did when they signed Taze, really. It, <laughs> or when they traded for him, I'm sorry. When they traded for him, we already knew that this. The, the, him, signing at, him signing today doesn't really change that other than he's not walking the ufa in a year (laughs) right it's basically uh colorado will still very likely go the seven and three route um five of those forwards i think are pretty locked in yeah yeah depending on how you feel about protecting brandon sod as a sixth one um you know how realistic him signing is. Yeah. Right. So for right now, protect sod. You, there's your tops. You have top six locked, locked in at forwards. And then you're protecting one of Jost, Confer, Nachushkin, Donskoy. Pick one. I don't care. Yep. I know if I, if I pick one, somebody in the comment section will fight with me. Yeah. You two uh, so not pick. happy with us when we said expose Donskoy and Confer. So. Right. <laughs> you pick whichever one you want. And then expose the other guy, and that's totally fine. Um, and then on defense, the situation with Eric Johnson is easy. It's very straightforward. He has a no movement clause. He's auto protected. He's the Avs ask him to waive it. He says yes. He waives it. He probably doesn't get picked by Seattle. He's a 32 year old defenseman with six years left on his deal. If he if he does that, great. Like if they if they take if they take Eric Johnson, okay, they take Eric Johnson. You've you just cleared up six million off Colorado's cap and for the next two years. Yep. Basically they re-sign everybody and drop an ELC in there again. No problem. Like not to say they wouldn't miss Eric Johnson. Great guy, great leader, great intangibles, all that, but on ice, they may not miss him very much. I think I think the reality with EJ is a lot of people still think of him as the Avs' number one D. And their defense is just too talented for that to be true anymore. He might be their third or fourth best defender I, today. I would say there's a good argument that he's number four. I, I would I would agree with you. And 
while it's someone you don't want to lose, he's a lot more expendable today than he was even two years ago. Yeah, definitely. So that's that's where that's where you just you ask him to wave. Yep. He says yes, whatever happens, right? Yeah. You don't pay to protect him. You don't pay to protect anybody. The Avs don't need to do that. If he doesn't say yes, you buy him out. Yep. He has he has a two million dollar cap hit against your cap for the next uh, the next two, four years because he'll have two years remaining. Yep, and that's that. Yeah, I, it's, it's very straightforward from the Avs' perspective. I think. Yeah, this big brain idea that's going on in the, in the comments right now. You let Landy go to UFA and resign him after the expansion. Why? Why would you yeah, do that? That's, that's nonsense. Don't do that because. What will happen is, and we have seen this time and time again, when guys get to the market, they almost never come back. It's not just that. Landy would be entering UFA in his prime. Right. Seattle, with all of the money on their entire cap to spend, <laughs> yeah. they, have a, they, have a, they have a window where they will get to negotiate with potential free agents before the expansion draft. They would be able to talk to Landeskog and say, hey, we'll give you a seven-year deal at $8 million. And the abs are like, holy crap. We're not paying that much. That's a huge problem for us. Yeah. And then goes back to the Avs, and the Avs are like, we'll give you six years at 6.75. And then he leaves. Loyalty is a two-way street, though, Tony. You can't say, all right, we're going to let you go to UFA, but right, We're going to big brain this so hard. We're trying so hard to keep JT Comfer or Jonas Donskoy that – we're going to let we're going to let our captain go into free agency, get a feel for how much money he can make in it, and then try and convince him to come back. Because they could just select the guy and spend a month hammering away at him, like, "Hey, we want you to sign," and he's going to be he's going to spend that entire time being like, "Oh, my brand new baby girl doesn't want fifty million dollars." That's not the best thing for me. Yeah. So I can I can, you know, make $35 million and stay in Colorado. Like I'm not just I'm sorry, I'm just not taking that chance. I would you don't either. you you're this is the big brain play that sounds great in theory. This is the same why not sign Devon Taves to an offer sheet instead of trading I mean, for him? If we're being honest, I think that might be the one move left this offseason for the abs is to extend Gabe Landeskog. Yeah. That's absolutely where their focus should be at this point because you're trying to mess around with your captain getting into getting into free agency. You reap what you sow at that point. Yep. If it works, they don't they don't select him. They take Tyson Jost. You re-sign Landeskog and everything is fine. Great. You big-brained it. You did an awesome job. You rolled the dice in a huge way. And what did you get out of it? Why do you need to? Why do you need to protect Comfer or Donskoy or Nachushkin or whichever guy, whatever, whoever that seventh guy is? That you're so desperate to protect. Why are you that desperate to protect your? That's the that seventh forward. 
Who's dude, really your eighth forward? A dude who's providing you significantly less than Landy. <laughs> yeah. Why would you ever take that chance? Uh, oh, you're talking about the EJ side, Tony. Okay, I see. Um, I'm not sure how you're you're implying the loyalty factor, but uh, Sackick has certainly shown himself to be a savvy businessman when it comes down to it. Yeah, like <clears throat> it's 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 business, and like Eric, the, the chances that Eric Johnson gets drafted by Seattle just aren't very high. Yep. If you're starting off a brand new franchise, do you would you rather a 26 year old Ryan Graves for two more years at three million, or a 32 year old Eric Johnson for two more years at six million? Which one? Seems pretty easy choice to me. But also, if Eric Johnson doesn't waive the rest, if he doesn't waive the NMC and the ABS say, hey, either waive or we're going to buy you out, Eric Johnson just turned down four million dollars in guaranteed money. And there, I just there's no way the Avs go four and four. They just lose a better player that way to protect. Yeah, EJ. it's if you go four and four and you don't protect EJ, why did you do that? Yep. Yeah, it it's you lose. I guess so. Here's the question. Obviously, they protect the big three. Let's assume fourth is probably Kadri. Um. So you lose one of Burakovsky or Saad. I would protect Burakovsky over Kadri. Kadri only has one sure. year left on his deal, and you have Alex Newhook coming. So you lose Kadri then. Would you yeah. rather lose Kadri or EJ? And the reality of the situation there is not just would you rather lose one? which one of those players. It's which one of those players is more likely to get picked. Yeah, and the buyout conversation, it's only $2 million against the cap. It's not a huge number. It's a manageable number is the thing. And with so many ELCs. Yeah. And with so many ELCs that they can reasonably bring up, uh, there's just no reason for this. Right. The big brain play is unnecessary here. Just It's it's extremely simple. Eric Johnson waves as an MC and Seattle takes whoever they take. And then you move on. Yep. He doesn't. You buy him out. Seattle takes whoever they take and you move on. It is not complicated. This does not need to be hard. You don't you don't need to play 4D chess. It it, it all comes down to does Eric Johnson say yes and take 12 million dollars or does he say no and take 8 million dollars and then go into free agency and try and recoup that money elsewhere. Yep. That's simple. Especially a guy with his injury history. If he's turning down four million dollars, he must really believe that he's gonna get he's gonna make that money up elsewhere. It's, he might. I mean, it, teams do dumb shit for well, defensemen all the time. What I think what makes it particularly hard for EJ to do that is the cap situation right now. Yeah. Do you really think you're gonna get that type of deal in a flat cap era where we don't know what the cap's gonna look like in a couple of years? Yeah. I mean, what does he get really? Yeah. I, I think the the market will be. I've said this a few times, but I think the market will be easier next year because teams will have planned for it. They will have this in mind. Whereas this year, it was you know, scramble it just, mode. It yeah. just showed up on everyone's doorstep, and they were planning for right. a two million dollar bump. Instead, this you know they will they will they will be planning multiple years of this is a flat cap. So. Yeah. They don't need to L- EJ doesn't need to LTIR. He, he doesn't need to just go to Robida Island and just disappear. 
there's no, I mean, he's still a productive NHL player when he's on the ice. There's no need for that either. This isn't like such a dire situation that the abs are like, please, please go away. That's where if they were in, they, if they were, if it was that dire, they play him this year and then they buy him out no matter what. Right. It would like, be an issue, but yeah, that's where that's, I mean, with Eric Johnson, it's really, really simple. And like, you don't want to lose Eric Johnson. You want him to be here for this run. He's, he's been stuck in Colorado during all of these horrible seasons. You would hate for the guy to miss out on, on potential cup runs. Like it's, this is, this is not a personal thing. It's uh the expansion draft forces hard decisions, and he's that decision. And that's yeah. just the reality of it at this point. That sucks. It's super the ultimate outcome of, of so many contracts. At the end of the day, the NHL is a business. And if you want to win Stanley Cups someone like EJ's got to wave a contract. Someone like EJ's got to get bought out sometimes. Yeah. To be honest with you, the abs exposing free agent Brandon Saad in Seattle, just taking that dude and signing him to a contract. Yeah. Makes, it's makes plenty of, makes plenty of sense. But then if Seattle's going to big brain it, if that guy's going to go to market anyway, why would you take him from Colorado? Right. You know, you're going to have more cap space than anybody in the league to know what you want to do with. Take a good player from Colorado and then sign Sod in free agency. That's see now I'm big braining it for right. Seattle. That's I, I think that's the play though. If you're the Avs, let Seattle do the big brain plays and and have to navigate those waters while you say, "Look, we protected the guys we wanted." Yeah, take your guy. Hundred percent. Like if you protect Brandon Sod and then he turns around and leaves in free agency, that sucks. Yep. Is it that big of a deal? No, probably not. <laughs> Whichever guy you lose, the Nachushkin, Jost, Comfort, Donsk, whatever. Whichever yep. guy you lose, you replace. Yep. That's the that's the the reality of where Colorado's at the expansion draft is. They have the decision that they make with Eric Johnson. He waves the NMC, he gets bought out. And then after that, at every single position of the organization, they can replace whoever gets picked. All right, well, Go Caps is here, so that means it's time to end the show because he just has a knack for showing up at the end of shows. You wouldn't make a deal with Seattle to take someone specific because it just doesn't matter. It just doesn't matter who they take. You're you're in position to replace them. Why give up and ask? And look, if it's a sixth or a seventh round pick and you're like, hey, take take pending UFA Matt Calvert. Great. That's fine, too. The thing that we learned from the Vegas expansion draft is that paying a premium for them to pick someone always comes back to haunt you. Yeah, it's it it went horribly for the teams that paid real prices. Like I think the Islanders, like it was like a swap of first round picks or something, and then they were like, "Take JF Barube." That didn't that didn't haunt them one bit. They they were fine, right? They recovered from that okay. It sucked and it was expensive, but like. They they made it through that. The player that got picked was not a big deal. Yeah. They're fine. But when you're... Like, that's the situation where you're like, okay, if you're going to do something like that, make sure that it, you're not losing a player that's right. going to... When you're talking about the difference between picking Comfer and Donskoy, the difference between those two players is not that much. So yeah. why would you give up significant assets to yeah. change which one they take? Well, and, and why would Seattle take a fifth or a sixth round pick 
Colorado's going to be one of the better teams in the NHL next year. They're going to have one of the better player pools to pick from unless the Avs are giving up a big unless the Avs are giving up a big piece to select someone specific. Seattle should just be like we don't want a fifth round pick to take Matt Calvert, you know? Like we don't want a fifth round pick to take Ryan Graves. We want to take somebody specific. We want to take a guy that we really like to help us. I don't think that they're I don't I don't think they're losing EJ and during the expansion draft process anyway. I think it makes most sense for him to take the money, take the guaranteed twelve million dollars, waive the NMC, he's not getting picked by Seattle, and then he plays out the rest of his contract with the Fs. That's where I think this is most likely headed. It makes the most sense for everybody involved. It's an easy solution. It Yeah. I, this is easy. I yeah, I think it's very straightforward. EJ if I was building an expansion team, EJ is not the player I would build around from the Avs. Right. <laughs> there's just there's just no reason. I'm taking Ryan Graves. I'm taking one of the forwards, depending on how, what season he has. I'm taking Pablo Franzos. Yep. I agree. So like, I think we're we're kind of wrapping up the expansion draft conversation. Yeah, and we're going we to we're going to do an expansion draft um, in the off season. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, we're here. Well, we're gonna yeah. we're gonna do one at some point. We did one already, and then we wanted to compare that one to this one to the one that we'll do at the end of next season in the, like a run up to yeah. the actual. Thing. Yep. So we'll do one. Um, but I'm no. No, you don't. If they take Eric Johnson, you're fine with that because that's six million dollars off your books. Yep. And you've lost a guy that's not a six million dollar player anymore. And you're, Connor Timmons is right there to replace him in the lineup. Right. Your Connor Timmons is sitting right there. You know. I mean, if you goes if you go from EJ and Cole on your defense this year to Byram and Timmons next year, you're fine. And that's a call on with a great point. You $6 million goes out the door. Brandon Sod has every reason to stay in Colorado. Yep. So it's no one's saying they want EJ to leave, but yeah, that's not the conversation. I'm not excited to get rid of Eric Johnson. He's one of my favorite guys and he's the easiest guy in the world to root for. He's a genuinely awesome guy. He is also the only guy on the team that when you, have a conversation with him. He looks you straight in the face and he refers to you by name. He's the only one. Landis Cog is the other one who does it sometimes, but he's also Landis Cog is more of a multitask master where he likes yeah. to do other things while he talks to you. I mean, he's the, he's the robot who's been trained for, for yeah. years to talk to the media. So. He's, been, he's been a captain on every team in his yeah. entire life. So he's been, he's been doing all of this for a long time. <laughs> But like Eric Johnson's a great guy. I don't want I don't want anybody who listens to this to think that I'm trying to get rid of Eric Johnson or that I would in any way be excited about it. It's not that's not the conversation. This is that's just the reality of if yeah. Seattle wants him, Seattle wants him, and you deal with it. Exactly. And yes, I I can't I don't make direct eye contact with Landy. It's just not fair. Oh, I don't have the clip of McKinnon. I wish I did. Hold on, I can probably find it and we can play it to end the show here. Yeah, Drew would know. Drew has been in that locker room with me a handful of times. 
back in the day. Those were God, that was a long time ago, man. It's crazy. It's it's crazy how many how many people have come and gone on the abs beat and like how it's changed, even in just my time covering the team. All right. Here's a here's the true the truth about Gabe Landis God. <laughs> and he's the hottest guy in the world. Whoa, okay. Hey, nothing wrong with that, bro. What do you mean? <laughs> no, no, I'm just saying, you don't want to leak. You don't want to leak. True. You're telling your stream, now they know your personal life. Lanny's an absolute man rocket. What if your girlfriend heard you? She probably thinks the same yeah. thing, bro. <laughs> <laughs> I don't blame her, man. All right. He's the hottest guy in the world. <laughs> even I mean, have you seen the man? <laughs> so, you know, even Mac knows that. Yeah. He's a total smoke show. Yeah. He doesn't look him in the eye either because he just gets lost. <laughs> Mac right. knows what's up. He cuts yep. right through the nonsense. Yep. On that note, we got to get out of here for the day. Thank you, everyone, for watching, listening, however you consume the podcast. Again, if you haven't joined us in the chat, highly recommend subscribing on YouTube to be part of the show live and chat at us as we, we talk to everyone. If not that, head on over to DraftKings Sportsbook and sign up for an account today. As, as we're now in full season swing, there's a ton of options, whether it be professional or collegiate sports, to bet on. And DraftKings Sportsbook has a great offer to celebrate the showdown in Happy Valley. DraftKings Sportsbook is giving all new users the chance to turn $1 into $100 when placing a bet on either Ohio State or Penn State. And on top of that, they're giving you a $1,000 sign-up bonus. So you can get both this week if you sign up. Be sure to jump on that. If you haven't signed up for DraftKings Sportsbook yet, download their app now and use promo code DNVR when you sign up to get this can't-miss offer. Pick Penn State or Ohio State. All you have to do is bet $1 for the chance to win 100 bucks if the team you pick wins 100 to 1 odds why not jump on it might as well give it a go sign up for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook must be 21 or older Colorado only bonus comprised of a first deposit bonus and first bet match each up to $500 deposit bonus requires 25x playthrough restrictions apply see DraftKings.com sportsbook for details gambling problem call in 800-522-4700 that is it for today Tay's officially signed we have three more shows for the rest of the week. Maybe I will go with the mullet. We'll see. I'll save it for the Friday show if I do. But uh, until tomorrow, we will talk to y'all later. 